Welcome to another episode of Life is a Mother. It's Nemo here. The wait is finally over and season three continues. I have missed you, I appreciate you, and I deeply apologize for the delay. But you know, life has been happening. Now, before we get started on this episode, I want to give a special shout out to Magic Mind who reached out to us and hooked us up with a healthy energy drink that really works. It tastes really good, shaken and chilled, and it tastes healthy, earthy, and like something you should be drinking. What's amazing too is you get an energy boost without the crash afterwards. Can I get an amen from all the parents out there? Congregation, I said, can I get an amen? Amen! Please be sure to check them out. Website at magicmind.co Instagram handle at magicmind. Hi listeners, for this episode we'll be discussing grief, loss, showing up, and showing support to someone who's experiencing grief. So this is a warning for those of you who click on the episode to start with, and this topic is too heavy for you. We'll be covering grief. So grief is a journey, and it can be lonely. Some would say it's even isolating because it's so personal and so internal, and it can be so traumatic and do so many weird things to the body that someone would not even fully recognize I think as a culture too, we need to become more comfortable with having these uncomfortable conversations. And I want to commend those who speak up on these topics because it takes so much strength and will to share your story. And I want to showcase my dear friend, Wendy, to share her story with the hope that it can be healing for her and provide healing for others. Now, I will pass over the mic to Wendy to tell us who she is and to start off by telling us her story as well. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on the episode. So three years ago, I lost my seven-month-old son, Adrian Bozio, to a rare genetic disease that my husband and I both happened to be carriers of. And we were unaware at the time until he was born how detrimental this disease could be. So that was a journey, a seven-month journey to try and find solutions, to try and find a cure, to try and ease his pain, and to try to love him as much as possible in the time frame that we had. So living without him has been impossible at times but we keep it moving Mm -hmm. and I appreciate you sharing that Wendy can you tell the listeners what the condition was by any chance or is so that if someone is experiencing the same journey maybe they can reach out to you or you can give recommendations for how you're able to manage that process certainly It's called galactosialidosis. It's an metabolic disease affecting enzymes and the way the proteins are made. And because of certain deficiencies, it caused my baby to not be able to see, to hear, Mm -hmm. to keep his own head or body up. 
His organs were quite large, just a host of issues really. But sometimes the disease can be a mouthful. Even the physicians have trouble saying it out loud. So it's called galactosialidosis. Okay, thank you. And even like hearing it from your voice, it just gets at my heart because I don't even know how you're able to openly discuss such a painful moment in your life. Like, does sharing your story provide any healing for you in any way? It does because it keeps him alive. I keep him alive. And when he was alive, he touched so many people's lives with his strength. And through his passing, I feel like those who are going through whatever occurrences in their life, hopefully can be changed by our story and his story. So I love talking about him. Most people do not think that I do or are fearful to broach the subject or gloss over him entirely. But he is an innate part of my story. And I will always, always love to divulge information about him. Mm -hmm. And I feel grateful and thankful for this intimate conversation with you as well. I want the listeners to know, like, can you tell us about your son? Like, talk about your son. What was he like? Who was he? He was a force to be reckoned with. He started his life journey with a lot of hospital visits, with a lot of invasion of his privacy. His body was never his own. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of needle pokes and procedures, but through it all, he was strong. He was willful. He didn't laugh much, but when he did, it could light and fill a room. Mm -hmm. He was stubborn. He gave his father a lot of stress sometimes, but he was very stubborn and there was so little within his control, but the things that were, he claimed them. You know how sometimes babies, they will cry to communicate. Right. And so he found his own way to communicate by doing those cries that would stop when he received what he wanted. Or we were together a lot. And I cherish those moments. I cherish his breath. I cherish his smell. I cherish his touch. I cherish our praise and worship sessions. I cherish them all. Mm -hmm. He is such a remarkable boy. I know I had the privilege of meeting him a few times. And he always seemed so strong and like positive, even though he was experiencing pain and all these challenges. He really held strong is what I remember too. It was very strong and I think there were times where I needed for him to be able to see me and to know that it was me and my fear was that because of his inabilities for those senses he wouldn't know who I was but I made sure that the other senses 
overwhelmed him instead. So mm-hmm. we touched him constantly. He was on my chest constantly. And I feel like we spoke through heartbeat. We spoke through touch and kisses. And that was powerful. That was our way and our mode to communicate. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful, Wendy. So inspiring how you share his story and how you managed to get through that journey as well. I know you touched on this a bit earlier, but does talking about Adrian open a wound or like you said earlier, it keeps that memory alive for you? It does. You know, people grieve in different ways and there is no wrong way to grieve. But for me, doing and living was the best way for me to try and live side by side with my grief and him not being here. You don't ever get over loss. You just learn to live with loss. So talking about him solidifies the memories for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to impart our story with others, which I feel keeps him alive and it cements his story on this earth. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And that's a good way to say it, too. I think everyone experiences grief in some varying degrees, like to your point. And sometimes it just hits you, right? So in our culture, I feel like sometimes the projection is that emotion is weakness and it's like everyone wants to inject their opinion like you should be over it by now or everything happens for a reason and absolutely trying to fix you right like did you experience that wholeheartedly absolutely I definitely recognize that our African community especially They are so strong and they have gone through so much in their life that loss and grief, it's not something they openly accept or want you to experience for too long. I remember the day of his funeral being told to move on. He's just a baby. And I think when you lose children, the loss and the time that people allot for you to grieve is measured in their lifespan. So him being months, I was expected to get over that very quickly because I was at the right age to produce more children. If he was perhaps 8, 10, 15, people might have given me more grace. Mm. might have been more understanding, might have been more empathetic because I would have been older. I would have had more memories, Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of insensitive comments, a lot of confusing messages. And I do not begrudge anybody because it's a very difficult topic and people do not know how to behave towards others who have lost people whom they love. And so I beseech people, if you do not know what to say, 
then silently be there for somebody mm-hmm. because the most difficult time in a person's life, the things you say can either hinder their grief process or it can support their grief process. So I definitely beseech others to be careful, be sensitive, and try to meet that person where they are at. Comments such as, for me personally, God knows best and it will be okay. And these things are not what I needed in the early stages because losing a child is just unfathomable. God loves children. He gifts you with children. And it was not comfortable to me, but my husband was comforted by such statements. So different people are definitely needing different things, but it taught me a lot during that period about our culture and the differences in cultures and how they support you as well. Mm-hmm. I remember too having a conversation with you and you shared some of those things that people said and it really struck a chord in my heart because I'm like, where would someone say something like that? It's insensitive, but at the same time, they think it's coming from a good place. And it just speaks to how sometimes if someone hasn't personally gone through an experience or they haven't been personally affected, they can tend to be judgmental or project. And the reality of it is like, you never truly know what is going on in someone's inner reality. And to your point too, with the culture, I think less talking maybe and more doing. To your point, if you don't know how to comfort someone, then don't try and comfort them with your words because they could hurt or hinder them in their grieving process. I agree. You really hit it on the nail with that. It's such a difficult time. And I think I discovered that people can sympathize with you when they have deduced that what you are going through is measurable. Right. But not everybody can empathize. Mm-hmm. And that specific ability we are lacking in drones when it comes to our community. I don't believe that you have to go through the same experience in order for you to have empathy, to put yourself in the shoes of somebody and try to walk in their pain Mm -hmm. and be there for them without any conditions. And I think that was a harsh realization, but I appreciate coming to it. Because it opens your eyes to people, to their Mm -hmm. motives. Yeah, and I think you touched on it a bit when you said sit in silence with the person. Because I was going to ask you, would you rather someone say something bad or say nothing at all? But I think from what you said, you'd prefer that someone said nothing at all, right? I would. Yeah. I would. That wordless support, it can be exactly what that somebody needs. Mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend on Adrian's third anniversary. She showed up at the burial site. Mm-hmm. And she just sat with me for as long as I needed in silence. 
Yeah. It was the most beautiful portrayal of support that I could ever have fathomed at that time. Mm-hmm. I think I would agree. Just being there is such a big, bold statement showing your support. And that's such a beautiful story. I smile every time you share it because it's so touching. It really was because I think the fear is that once the allotted time is over, people move on with their lives Mm -hmm. and life keeps on moving. Exactly. But you are still stuck in your grief and Mm -hmm. you're still navigating your grief and depending who the people are, you might not be given the grace that you were afforded in the beginning of your journey. And so that memory, the, the remembrance during certain times, whether it is his death anniversary, his birthday, Mother's Day, or just a random Tuesday where I get text messages or phone calls that Adrian crossed somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. Those are the best days for me. Yeah. And I think too, as far as people saying things, from what I see, I think as well, people should try and set aside their ego and their neediness to seek validation. And I mean this to say, so if you say some words to someone and they don't come back to you or say thank you or I appreciate it, that is not the time for you to now feel angry or spiteful because someone hasn't validated you you know like it's not about you because I've heard stories where someone is sharing a story about loss and in like a minute or two it ends up for them being the counselor of the person who was trying to be there for them and they're trying to comfort them do you know what I mean I do for me I don't mind so much the emotions of somebody especially in the beginning it was the women that felt the most the cry the hardest especially at my workplace there were either those who avoided me because they did not know how to behave Mm -hmm. or those who supported because they too were mothers or they too would one day be mothers or they too have gone through loss. And sometimes their emotions was quite severe where I ended up having to comfort, but I I did not mind that. I think I mind more the affordability for me to be down, for me to cry when I do cry. I do not do it often. The ability for me to just lay in bed for a few hours with the blinds closed if need be. And I think the portrayal of my strength does not allow for me to have moments of being down. And I think the general theme of this whole process was that I was so strong during this entire process. But I've come to realize that it's actually been a detriment because I can now not go back and show any signs of weakness or 
There are those who cannot get out of bed. There are those who cannot work. There are those who cannot manage their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. But because I can manage to do those and still live and journey through my grief, I'm not afforded even a single day of being down. Hmm. I am not able to have those moments. Those family members or whomever who see me in that light quickly want me to get back to what I was because I don't know if it's their own fears. I don't know if it's because they feel the grief or the grieving process has been too long. I'm not sure what it is, but Mm. it comes back to that empathy piece and sympathy and those two very distinct differences yeah okay and you touched on your friend supporting you in such a big way what are some other good ways like you've experienced well meaningful support oh I like the phone calls I like you know there was a time when nobody would invite me to their children's events and that hurt me and Mm -hmm. I think it hurt my husband too just because our child is no longer living, does not mean that we are not happy for others and their joys and life celebrations. And I think it took away from our ability to be there for people as well during this time. Mm -hmm. So that has changed quite a bit now. But going to people's children's birthday parties or their celebrations, it can be tough at times. But I think It's a way for us to support one another. And I think sometimes just the accountability during times of celebrating motherhood and being called upon that I'm still a part of that very beautiful club, I should say. Mm. I think when I'm remembered on Mother's Day, I appreciate that most of all. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know it too, at the beginning, people are very in your space, sending flowers, sending food, whatever the case may be. And then maybe a month, two or three after it starts dying down, people get busy with their lives. But it's still important just to show up. And if you're thinking about someone, just send them a note. Very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. just the text message or a phone call and I think my husband's workplace showed such support and have since by just even some of his bosses asking about Adrian how my husband is doing how I'm doing and you know sometimes my husband gets uncomfortable having those kinds of discussions but I try to bring light to how beautiful it is that even people in such levels of leadership care about him Mm -hmm. to continually make sure that he's okay yeah that's powerful that's really powerful I remember listening to something the other day and they were sharing too when people are showing support with food or whatever just make sure you send paper plates and like forks or utensils that you don't really care about because I think there was an instance the lady was sharing her friend had lost her husband and someone sent her a casserole dish over 
And obviously, when you're going through that process, your emotions, your feelings, you don't want to really think or do anything. And a few days later, the lady calls and is like, do you mind giving me back the casserole dish that I gave you? Because I have to attend another funeral. And I'm thinking, what? Like, decision fatigue <laughs> is a thing. Like, no one wants to be thinking about one other thing they need to do, right? <laughs> People are interesting. Yeah. People, People are interesting. For sure. I definitely appreciated the flowers and you know, the food, but most of all, people's presence. You know, mm. I was inundated with a lot of people coming to the house and as hard as it was to have to rehash the moments over and over again, to just know that you have support. We do not live in a vacuum as human beings. We need one another. And for the African community to rally together, the Ghanaian community, you know, mm -hmm. the Nigerian community to all come together and help support me and my husband and our families. I will forever, forever be grateful. Hmm. And would you say that speaks to everyone having like a different need? Because I know some people, if they're going through grief, they don't want people in their space, right? Like they just want to isolate and step back from it all kind of thing. It's true. And that goes back to everybody grieving differently. And so I think you meet people where they're at and regular checkings to make sure that at any time when they are ready to let somebody in, there is somebody there who is willing. Mm-hmm. Well, the simple question of like, what is it that you need? I can come over or I can give you space. But, you know, just getting that clarity from the person. Is that a good way to approach it, would you say? It is. And I'm grateful for you because you are the queen of checking in. So I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you, Wairimu. Thank you. I try. I try. I'm a work in progress. But <laughs> you touched on you and your husband grieving differently. And I know women and men are wired differently and men don't talk and whatever may comfort a woman may not necessarily comfort a man and vice versa. So how would you say you and your husband have been grieving differently? I asked him this question maybe one year after Adrian passed. Because it seemed that he was able to navigate life very easily. And so I asked him, do you still think about him? Do you still watch videos? Do you still pull up pictures? And he said he did the most amount of his grieving, perhaps within that first month mm. in December. Mm -hmm. And after that, he was able to... I don't know, I don't want to say move on, but essentially move on. And when I asked him why that was, he said because he went to work for nine, 10 hour days. He did not sleep at the hospital. He was not the one to get up and do so many of Adrian's care that the time I spent with him, it makes sense that my grief would look different than his. I appreciate that, but sometimes I wish I had somebody close to me enough to journey with 
in the exact same way, if that makes sense. Mm, like connecting to someone who had a similar story, but who was close and in your inner circle, kind of. In my inner circle, like my husband was. Yeah. And I think he mentioned too, because I was the one to do CPR on Adrian, because he passed in my arms, he's able to sleep easier, lighter. He doesn't have certain haunting memories. And there are days where I'm grateful for that. And then there are days where I wish we could both share in that. Yeah, and that's the challenge because we all have our own different journey with grief. And it's hard when, say, you and a spouse are like vastly different in how you approach it. It can be lonely at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And what's something you wish Adrian would never forget? I wish and I hope that Adrian never forgets me and that he never forgets the memories that we made together. I am so happy that he is in God's warm embrace, that he is pain-free, but it does not take away from the fact that I wish he was with me now. But as much as I think of him and I conjure him in my memories and I dream of him, I just pray that he too thinks of me. I pray the same too. I feel as though too, especially with mothers, we hold a lot of responsibility for other people's health. So that can hit us even further, right? Like even as you were talking about you and your husband and the differences and all the effort and all the time and all the responsibility you had over Adrian. And I think because, too, I am a registered nurse, I work with families who are going through difficult times, who are losing a loved ones. Sometimes it is my hands that either brings a family member back or fail to do so. So that responsibility bled into my personal life as well. You know, I was hardly ever afforded the time to just be a mother during that time. I was a nurse. I was a caregiver. I was the person to ensure, is this the moment we go to the hospital? I had to deduce whether or not he was suffering just enough for us to go and get extra help. I was in control of his tubes. So I was never just a mother. I was so many roles in one that I cherish the memories we had, just him and I, where we could sit and be mother and son. Mm. Yeah, (sighs) you are a strong lady. Thank you for sharing that, Wendy. You're welcome. So what do you think grief has taught you? You know, Adrian's story really made me understand God. I never, and I think you and I have talked about this, the power of words and the power of the things that we say. We might think that it is harmless, but God hears, God sees, and depending on what he knows that you may need, He takes action. Mm. 
I love my family fiercely, but I've always had a fear of losing them ever since I was a child. And I think one of the many lessons this has taught me is that I can survive. I can survive. I used to think that such a loss would kill me. Yeah. But God has held me in his embrace. And he has taught me that I am stronger than I think. I am stronger than I know. And he will give or has given me the tools to continue on. That's beautiful. I like that. Mm. Even though it's a process, right? It's not that black or white, but it has taught me that I can survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. And would you say that grief groups were a part of your healing journey? Like, I know people talk a lot about all these different groups, like if you've lost a spouse, if you've lost a father, a mother, ETC. Was that part of your healing journey? It wasn't. I think I was fortunate enough to have people around me, strangers, friends alike, whom I was able to use as a soundboard. And I was able to talk and be listened to. And that was enough for me. But Adrian and I, we had a community of healthcare professionals that reach out through emails letting us know there are still groups available grief groups and they send emails maybe twice three times a month and so just knowing that it is available if and when one day I need it that's enough for me right now okay okay and that's fair I have to ask where does the strength to face each day come from like to wake up in the morning and just push forward? Like, where do you get that strength from? I think my upbringing. You know, my mother, very strong person. And when I was younger, I used to be a very emotional individual. I used to shed tears at everything. And I don't know if it was good or bad, but her continuously telling me, you need to be strong. You need to be strong. You need to let these things go. You need to be strong. I think in her doing so, I understand what she was trying to do. And like I said in the beginning, it can be a detriment sometimes, this so-called strength. Yeah. I appreciate it for its capabilities to allow me to wake up every morning and journey through life. I believe it comes from my mother. Okay. When you talk about it too, I think sometimes even society doesn't allow for people to take the time they need as well, right? Because bereavement days are what, like three to five days a year. Is that enough time for someone to go through the grieving process and wake up and go to work continuously? Sometimes I feel... Society forces people to just push through even when they're not ready. Society is such an interesting group of people. They will not allow you to take the time needed. In the same breath, they are the first ones to create 
mental health groups and enforce taking care of your mental health. And I don't know, they are contradictory in a lot of ways. I don't understand them. I never will. But I am grateful that I am a person who I do not do well in not doing. Right. I do not do well in sitting at home, being inundated with my thoughts day in and day out without doing something with purpose, which is why after Adrian passed, I enrolled in my master's degree and mm-hmm. I went back to work right away. And that process has helped me to heal. Okay. And props to Mama too. <laughs> setting a good example oh mama mary oh yeah. props to mama mary i think i'm going to end the conversation here is there anything you'd like to share before we close because the next segment i'm going to be asking you a set of questions for the audience to get to know you but you're welcome to share any last thoughts or comments before i move on to that segment i think for listeners to just be aware of the differences between sympathy and empathy and how you can make a difference in the life of somebody who is grieving, either positively or negatively. Be careful of your words. Be careful of your actions and meet people where they are at. It makes a world of difference. And I think... When it comes to baby Adrian, my prayer is that he is happy in the world above. And as angels hold him tight, it reminds them always of his mama's love. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful ending. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. Thank you. And now to switch gears a little bit. Again, it's a tough conversation to have, but also very necessary, I feel. And I'm hoping this can allow for people to keep the memory alive of those they may have lost. So to get to know Wendy, I'm going to ask you two questions here. You only have a minute or less to provide an answer. Okay, pressure. So I'm sure you're going to be quick on this because you're a very introspective person. What single experience has significantly shifted your perception of yourself and why? What single experience has shifted my perception of myself and why? Mm -hmm. I think in the topic of grief, just like I mentioned before, I didn't know that I could survive losing somebody that was so close to me. Mm -hmm. So it has solidified within me that I am capable of handling immense pain and overcoming it, walking side by side with my grief and appreciating those who are living just that much more. Mm -hmm. Wow, an inspiring lady over here. Okay, then most influential book or person in your life? My mother. Ah, I was just going to assume that, but tell us a bit more in 30 seconds or less. She is so amazing. She is so supportive. And I think her love for God through 
everything that we have gone through that she has gone through personally in her life is -hmm. such an inspiration. I just pray every day that I can have the kind of faith that she has. It was such a pleasure to have you on this episode. You've been a guest before, so I'm grateful to have you on another episode. You always have a lot of wise nuggets to share, which I'm sure the listeners will appreciate. And I think for me in this conversation, what I'm walking away with is that when someone is going through grief and or loss, just being there is important. So don't back away, put forward, show up and ask how you can support. And I think to your comment, when you talked about people being careful about what they say, I think it's important to also recognize the way we say things. And with that, I mean, sometimes people can say things just on autopilot, right? If someone has lost someone, the immediate thing people say is condolences, right? What does that mean? Do you know what I mean? Thinking also what you're saying. Sometimes saying just a simple, I've dropped this off at your house is good enough, right? That's it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm walking away with a lot of useful tools that I've learned from you too. So thank you again, Wendy. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Life as a Mother, the podcast. Please share with a friend, subscribe, and leave this mama a review.